You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Good morning again. I have a confession right up front. Um, I got caught this morning in the bathroom. That scares you, doesn't it? I was in there and I was brushing my teeth. Like, and somebody, one of the guys was in there and he, I was like, oh, sorry. I have had this quirk, okay, about my teeth being clean when I preach. OCD. I'm sorry, okay? So it's like, if I forget, like if I forget before I leave the house this morning or whatever, or they get to feeling bad, it's just one of those, my teeth have to be smooth. I don't, I don't know what that is, okay? I just, it makes you feel more normal, doesn't it? Like, like, because I have those defects. Hopefully, it, you understand that. But um, it's just one of those things. So I was like in there brushing my teeth in this bathroom here, and somebody comes in and uses it. And I was like, "Sorry, sorry, you know, OCD. Sorry, man." So that's my confession this morning. I have some weird quirks. Sorry, um, but anyway, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, love selection music what we were just singing I hopefully you will get that and what we talk about today about to those around me is a lot of what we'll talk about um, but we're starting a new series about what it means to serve as a disciple of Jesus Christ and this is part of our vision as a church as I mentioned earlier um, but we're building community on the foundation of Jesus that's, that's our foundation, and that's what our community of believers is built on, making disciples who serve others and reaching as many as possible wherever we are called for the glory of God. That's the vision of our church. So that's where, why you'll see what's out there. Um, this, these things are going to change in the next couple weeks. But out there you see making a difference through community, serving and reaching. That's because it's our vision, part of who we are as a church. It's been said other ways in the past, and... You've heard the, the, the big long vision we used to have, and we just condensed it into that. Um, but that, as that is our vision, we have a, a current mission then to say we would want every family or every individual, if you're here um, uh, as, a, as a single person, we want every family to be in community with other families. We want every family to be serving other families. We want every... Uh, family to be reaching out to another family that isn't here. And so that's what we are constantly trying to do is to grow you as a disciple of Christ doing those things. And the number one way that you see in Scripture that Christ describes those who are disciples of His is He uses this word servant. Okay, that's the number one way He says this is this is a priority. And it's important. And, and, and it's because we're supposed to be like Christ, and Christ would say, because that's, that's what I did for you, because I served you, so I called you to serve me and the church and your community. And so today we're just going to get a foundation for serving from a familiar place in Scripture to those who have been here for a, for a while at least. Uh, we'll be in John 13, uh, which is where you see the... Jesus washed the disciples' feet. 
So this may scare some of you up here. You're like, oh no, we're going to do one of those. This is just example, okay? Prop, okay? So just go ahead and ease up a little bit, okay? Um, but what it's John 13 is a is a verse we, we've used back in conjunction with when I would cast vision early in the church and what God has called us to be like and um, in conjunction with some other key passages that have shaped our church. If you've been around here a while, you go Acts 2. I heard it a lot, you know, and and so that was that's a big one. John 17. You you probably like every third sermon. You're like John 17:3. Here he goes again. Okay, it's important in what God has called us. Philippians 2, which we'll look at again today. Here you're like, oh my gosh, here he comes with that again. Okay, it's just those things have very much informed us. Ephesians 2, especially verse 9 and 10, and um, many others like that. Um, and the one we will look at today, John 13 as well, is is just a big part of what has informed us as a church. Uh, we we we're just a we want to look at scripture. It's what we did as a church is go, how is God speaking to us through his word for what the church should be? And so that's passages that very much spoke to us about that. Now, this idea of serving others, serving other people is not unique to Christians. We know that, right? I mean, we see other people in the world, not just Christians serving others. Um, But to me, when you understand the gospel and who Jesus is, then you look at that and go, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense outside of the good news of Christ for people to serve each other. Like, what what is the motive behind, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about today, is it comes back to motive and the intentions of the heart driving that service. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense outside of the good news of Christ, outside of a gospel-centered life. Apart from Jesus... It's hard for me to find a foundation for serving. I mean, if you think about secular thinking and the teaching today that says, and you don't know where you fall with these things, and there is a difference between macro and micro evolution, and things don't change kind, and you know they they don't you know one kind has never become another. There's no evidence of that anywhere. There are adaptations, and it's always a loss of DNA material, not a gaining or changing mutation of it, and that's what causes those changes. And so, you ever want to have that discussion? I love those discussions. If you on Facebook, you know I'm a big Answers in Genesis uh, follower, and so I love to get into that stuff and talk about those things. Um, but in secular thinking, it says that if if you're in that macro evolution, you know, survival of the fittest. If you, if you go that route, if there's there's God didn't make all this stuff. It's just we evolved out of nothing, and and it's just what has made the human race what it is is survival of the fittest, and the dominant have just survived, and the weak fall off, and that's what makes us better and better and better, and live longer, and be the cream of the crop of creation is is just because of survival of the fittest, and and how we have, have evolved, if you, if you say that, that's how we got here, to serve other people just becomes more hypocritical than anything you can find in the church, right? I mean, if, if, if we got here by, by the weaknesses and the flaws 
weeding out pe- the weak and weeding out people to make us better. And if if we got here by by being weeded out, and if that's what propels us to evolve and progress as a human race, then to serve those who can't do for themselves or who are weaker, to help others is to work against your own belief system. Right? You're you're going against what you say is best and what has got us here today. Right? That belief system of evolution and no God is to say that it's just best for the weak to, to die. I mean, that's what that is. Now, no one says it like that, do they? No, nobody, no evolutionist going, that's, that's, but, but when you put what, what they believe has been best for us and what has got us here with, you see what I'm saying? It's just there's a contradiction in, in, in that thinking. So the best thing somebody can do that believes in survival of the fittest, they would say the best thing I can do for the human race is not to help anyone. Just let the weak die off. And what makes Christianity different when you even get into faith-based thinking and people who believe in God and or a God, some other God other than the God of the Bible, what makes Christianity different from any other faith or religion, if you will, because you know I don't like to call Christianity a religion per se, it's about our relationship with God, is that we don't serve in order to gain favor with the God we serve. We're not trying to earn his love. We're not trying to earn his favor. We don't serve to earn acceptance or forgiveness from our God to allow us a place in eternity. Okay, there's 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 none of that. Okay, that that sets us apart because every other religion that says there is a God and and even may claim to be associated with Jesus Christ, those offshoots. It's all about what I do to earn favor. It's about my actions and what I do determines my place with God. But for us, it's called grace. Grace sets us apart. And it's about the greatness and the goodness and the the grace of God, not how good we are because we did some good thing to earn our place. It's what the Bible teaches about our God and it's different from anything else. And I serve out of being already forgiven, already accepted, already having a place in the family of God, having a place in eternity by the work Jesus did, not by my work. He served me, so I now serve him out of a love for him and by the power he put in me to make me like him. Not to be him, to be like him. I just follow his example and obey willingly to see others know the grace of God. See, Jesus wants to change our hearts. Okay? That's the whole point. That's why I say that every week when we get to the end of the service, about offering time. Jesus wants to change our hearts so we love differently. So our motives are different. So that we don't strain and moan and 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 at not doing these great sins. And, you know, it's like when Jesus said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, right? That was, he was referring back to the, back to the Old Testament. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. He says, but I say, I tell you, 
if you've lusted after a woman, you've already that's already happened in your heart, right? Because he says it's about motive. It's about what's in the heart that is important. Say, you've heard it said, don't commit murder, but I say if you have hated your brother, then you've already, you've, it's the, that sin in your heart is the same as the external act. Okay? And what you have to do is understand the separation between the external acts and, and what's in the heart. Okay? Because Jesus, even, there's even, Jesus would even say, you can commit uh, a sin doing a good thing because your intentions and your motives are wrong. Doing a good external act, serving someone, if the heart isn't right. Okay? It's, it's a, you could get into so many places and things that Jesus said to understand this. This idea of it being about the heart. We, we sin because it's in our hearts and we love the sin. That's why we do that. We sin because we're, we've somehow been tricked or convinced ourselves or our flesh drives it that way. We suppress the spirit. We sin because somehow in our minds we think that's best. And, and we love the sin more than we love Jesus. That's why you'll hear me say often, you know, we've done a great job at, at scaring the hell out of people in church, but we've not done a good job at teaching them how to be in love with Jesus, which is far more important. It's not behavior modification, it's heart change. It's what we're after. It's what Jesus is after. If you'd say like in Mark 7, um, verse 15, if you'll put that up there, it, it, it's this idea that, you know, when you get into the Old Testament, you know, there was all this behavior modification because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. It wasn't there um, in the same way we have it now, right? And so there was all this external stuff. You got to stay ceremonially, ceremonially clean. See, I've been brushing my teeth enough, so I can't talk right. Uh, ceremonially clean. You, you had to go through all these rituals and, and, and all these things. It was all this behavior stuff to... to, to you know, stay on that good footing, have that right standing with God. But you get to Jesus and he says, you know, there's nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him that the things that proceed out of the man are what defile the man. Okay, so there's all this stuff about food. I'm not going to get on the bacon trip again, but it's the same kind of thing, right? Two two bacon sermons in a, in a row. I mean, I'm, I'm knocking it out of the park, okay? Um but it's, it's, it's that thing of, it used to be you couldn't eat certain things. You get, but here's Jesus saying, you know what? All that was not about what you eat. Not, none of those rules and, and keeping the Sabbath and doing all those things, it really wasn't about behavior modification. It was keeping your heart focused on God. It was keeping your motives at the right place. And now that you have the Holy Spirit, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not about what you eat or drink or whatever. You know, the Bible, everywhere you read in the Bible, it condemns strong drink, what you call strong drink, okay? This is not an alcohol sermon, okay? We can have that discussion later too. Okay, I'm not the hard-nosed Baptist coming down on alcohol. But the Bible does say that strong strong drink, drunkenness even, is always considered a sin. Except one place on strong drink where Paul tells, I believe it's Timothy, um, you know, if you're dying or grieving, someone who's dying, it's kind of the Valium kind of thing, just to chill you out. Um, and I'm not giving you permission to do that. We have other things for that today. It's like, 
so-and-so died. I'm going to go get a bottle of whiskey. No, that's not what we're saying. Okay, that's not the exception. Okay, and and that's a good example because the, the and that's what I'm getting to is because what would be the motive? What's your motive for doing that? It's not the act of actually drinking it that's the that's the sin. It's it's what's it's the the heart reason you're doing it. Right? See, Jesus was saying by that whole adultery and murder thing is that the real problem, the reason you did the external act was because of what was in you. So he's saying that all this, those rules and regulations and all this, all that stuff doesn't matter. If I can get your heart right, you won't do that stuff. Right? And, and so you, that's, I serve because I love Jesus and if my heart's changed by Him, it gets it becomes joy and it's easy. See, that's what, Jesus wants to change our hearts, so it's not a it's not a strain to serve other people. Okay. It's it's when Jesus changes us, we don't want to do certain things anymore. We love righteousness and holiness, and and so we change and joyfully knowing it's best for us because Jesus said it was, serve Him. If it's a struggle to serve, to serve other people, then Jesus needs to do a work in your heart is the problem. It's not your church needs to come up with some different options for you to serve or people need to behave differently and then I'll serve or if the conditions are right or... or Whatever the 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 condition is, it it's not. Hey, you, it, this sermon is not. Hey, you guys need to serve because it's the right thing to do. So you just need to be self-willed and just white knuckle follow the rules. Okay, you just have to grit your teeth and bear it because it's the right thing to do. Now, what what the the hope is is that Jesus will change your heart and you'll go. I get to do that. I get to I get to come and make coffee before the service and put it out there because it serves other people and and, and they enjoy it and I, and I want to do everything I can to, to lead them to Christ. I'm gonna come weed the the mulch. I'm gonna clean toilets. I'm gonna work in the sound booth, serve on the praise team, take care of kids, and and teach them. I'm gonna serve other people. Even and we'll get into it later, but even during the week and what that means outside and what that means with my wife, with my family, with my co-workers, with my community. All that stuff starts to become, man, I get to do this. This is awesome because of what Jesus did for me. And he says that's how to advance his kingdom, and I'm all about it. It's all about the motive and intentions of our heart that drives our actions. So let's look at John 13 real quick and that story there. Um, is after the Lord's Supper and we'll, we'll just start at the beginning I may skip some of it but it says now before the feast of the Passover Jesus knowing his hour had come that he would depart out of this world he, this is this is a big transition in the book of John okay I know the ladies are, are studying this in women's Bible study on Thursday night see Rita back there ladies uh, no matter what age you are there and come on Thursday nights and go through the book of John with them good stuff, the food's good, okay? 
Maring disembai kan. Because this is a big transition point. This goes from talking about the past and the Jews and here's what's coming and why. It, it switches to the, the, the end is nearing and he starts to prepare the disciples for the end that's coming for him and what's going to happen at his death. Before he's been talking about grand ideas and speaking about the nation of Israel and all kinds of different things like that. And now he transitions to, guys, i got to get you ready because I'm, I'm out of here. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. So here's Jesus, God in the flesh, at this supper, knowing there's a guy sitting there going to betray him. And he gets up, and in our modern terms, we'd say he takes his coat off, hangs it on the back of his chair, and he walks over. And I've, I've had somebody make these just so it'd be more authentic. They've not been stained and fired. This is the raw clay. I've just never had them finished. My handle broke off on that jug, but um, this is what it would have been like. And so he takes off his coat. He gets a jug of water in a basin. He throws the towel over. He takes his coat off and his outer garment, pours the water in the basin and carries it over and begins to wash the disciples' feet. So he poured the water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them. And with the towel with which he was girded, so he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? you got to love Peter, okay? He's the, like he's the mouth, okay, of this whole group. He's like the quickest and boldest. But what you love about Peter is his passion. And he can be just, it doesn't matter which direction it goes. He's just as passionate being wrong as he is being right, okay? He's just a passionate guy, okay? Ready to talk. Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, you do not realize now but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. He's going, ain't no way. You're Jesus. Like, he's, Jesus, uh, Peter's already confessed, you are the son of the living God. He's already said, I know who you are. I know you're God in the flesh. I know you're the Messiah. I understand who you are. And you being who you are, you're not washing my feet. Like, there's no way that God should wash my feet. I mean, he's feeling that. I mean, can you feel that? I mean, that's, I, I'm saying they're going, if I understood that, I would be going, no. I'd be, that would be my initial reaction, too, is, God, no, look, I should be serving you, right? But listen to what Jesus says to him. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So again, it's about being clean, but understand where this is going, okay? And serving. Well, at the end, you'll, it's, this is beautiful, okay? He's giving the example. And he says, so Simon Peter says, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, well, if I don't, then you're not with me. So look what, you see where he switches? No, then, then after he hears that, he goes, well, then give me a bath, Right? 
Like, don't just stop at the feet. If that gets me in with you, let's go, right? If you want to do a little massage afterwards, whatever, I'm good, right? Like, go the full deal, right? Just as passionate being wrong as he is being right, right? I mean, he's just a, just that way. He says, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And this, I, don't have, I wish I had time to like delve into this and talk more about being clean. If you think about what we just talked about, ceremonially clean in the Old Testament, and then what he's saying here about being clean and with him, and how that changes to the New Testament, and, and about heart. He's like, I, you know, He's saying it's not about being ceremonially clean, it's about being clean with me. And he's saying, Peter, you already got that. You understand that. Okay? For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. See, he, he's saying not all of you are clean. Why? Because he hadn't washed his feet? No. Because there's something wrong in this guy's heart, in Judas's heart. Okay? Point, though made by many passions over this passage, and you hope you un- hopefully you understand this. He washes Judas Iscariot's feet anyway. To which I would say, so who is it you won't serve? Are the people you look at and go, they're beneath me, I'm not serving them. They're bad, I'm not serving them. They're wrong, I'm not serving them. They're not, they're not, they're evolutionists, I'm not serving them. They're, they're secular people. They're worldly. They have different views than I do. They have a different lifestyle than I approve of. So I'm not serving them. Okay? You, we, you guys know where I stand on all, all those kind of issues. Okay? I believe the things that are morally wrong and right. But, Jesus served Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. So who am I to look at someone and go, I'm not serving them, God. Not doing that. No matter where they are in their life. Y'all feel that? That's why when you got churches like whatever the church is that protests soldiers' funerals and the whole LGBTQ element OP, whatever it is, uh, community, whatever, you know, and and just attacks people. Why didn't Jesus attack Judas Iscariot knowing where his heart was? We love people. That's what where we are as a New Testament following Jesus church. We stand on the truth, but we love people. Okay? So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so am I. If I then the Lord and the teacher wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you you should do as I did to you. Truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you know them. 
No, if you do them. The blessing comes not in the knowing, but in the doing. Okay? I do not speak of all of you. I know that the ones I have chosen, but it is the scripture that may be fulfilled. He goes on, and then it gets into the betrayal of him by Judas, um, him predicting his betrayal. But just in that right there saying, hey, I'm, I'm the, yes, I, you're right, I'm the one that's up here. I'm on the top tier of this whole thing. I, I am God, but I have served you, so you should do that too. I'm showing you the example so that you understand that it's not beneath you to serve anyone. And that's, that's why we have such a, uh, you know, we've taught this structure here for a long time at, at, at our church is an understanding, and there's a lot of simple examples of, you know, that's Jesus coming and turning things upside down. You remember when he, it, there's, a, there's a verse, um, in, I think it's Matt, or it's Mark, the one, I think that's it, in Mark, um, where he talks about, you know, the masters in the secular world, they lorded over their slaves. They have this power, but they lorded over them, but not so with you. You know that verse? By then the Lord and teacher, well, that's not it. What's the Mark 10 passage I gave you? Um, he says, not so, maybe I didn't put that one in there. Um, he says, it's not so with you. You don't lord it over people. And he says, uh, Jesus came to serve and not be served, and so it should be with you. Okay? Jesus came to serve and not be served. Jesus takes that whole secular system and just flips it upside down. Like in the world we work in, you know, usually in the corporate office, the boss has the best parking space, the 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 best office, the best whatever. And the further you go down the chain, the less the privileges and so forth that there are, right? And 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 yet Jesus says, in my in my economy, we flip that upside down. And that's why here at the church, um, you know, me and my wife, staff, we all park up in the top of the parking lot up there in the corner. And I've always said this, you know, if there's a parking problem here, me and the staff and the deacons should be parked furthest away and our guests need to be parked right up here up front. Right? Because we're serving people and we need to be the example. Now, if there's health issues, right, and, and problems and being able to get in and out, that, that changes things for, for people. We don't want to do that to even a staff or a deacon or somebody. Um, so so that, that may change some of that. The staff and deacons and team leaders, and we park the farthest away and let our guests, down to our guests, park up front. Right? Because Jesus flips that upside down, right? When it, when it comes to gatherings here, like at lunch today, I'll go through line last. I just do that, and it's not a, as you'll see, it's not out of a bragging thing. It's just out of the heart to serve. And see, there's that whole humility aspect comes in. It's hard to talk about this and not sound like, well, aren't I great? I'm not such a humble person, right? Is it wars against humility, wars against our, uh, ourselves, even though it's a good thing to have, right? But it's just, he turns it completely upside down. Um, and I have lost my place. There we go. 
And, and here's what's awesome. You get in that John 13, if you jump to the end, like in verse 34, and he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. But verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. See, he's done this whole thing, the, the, the Last Supper. He's washed the disciples' feet. And how does he, how does he, where does he go after that? He goes straight to the great commandment. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. To which I would say, how do we show that, how do we do that? By serving one another. He just, he just showed you how to do that. It doesn't matter if you know this, you've you got to do it. It's in the action, love being a verb, that, that this actually plays out. Even as I have loved you, he's saying, remember what I just did? Even as I've loved you, even as what I've done to you, he said it earlier, he said, just as I'm doing for you, you're to do for one another, right? That you also love one another. By this, all will know, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And how does that love play out? By serving. Okay? You get the connection there? Hope so. Pretty simple. But, but we have so many messed up reasons why we often serve, even in the church. Some good, some bad, right? But with the wrong motive, it still doesn't count, okay? Some not a part of why Jesus said we should serve. Even good reasons that are twisted, like compassion, okay? Bible says we're to have compassion for people. We should we should do that, and that's that's a good thing. We we see something, it breaks our heart. We can't stand that injustice. We see someone suffering, going through something hard, and we're moved, and our emotions are stirred, right? And so, what happens with that compassion is it depends on what the motive is out of that compassion for whether it's a good thing or not. Like it could be that man, I just feel compassionate. And so I want to appease that feeling in me. I want to appease my emotion, right? It makes me sad that those little puppy dogs on that commercial are just, oh, man, I can't believe people would do that to those poor little animals. And so I feel bad, and, my com and, and that compassion turns into, I just don't want to feel bad, Right? I'm still waiting on the commercial from some church that puts out there and it shows people just walking around town and them going, and that sad music playing. And These people without Jesus will die and go to hell. And that, you know, please send in your money, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right? But we give and do to so many things that it's like, one of my favorite, I have a t-shirt that says, it's got a whale on the front that says, save the humans real big on it. Um, it's like we a lot of people pour a lot into various things and, and souls and people's lives are what matters and I'm totally off track and offending all the animal lovers out there. I love animals except cats, okay? I like them, I just don't love them, okay? They make me sick, literally. I'm allergic, okay? So that's that. Totally off track, okay? But out of our compassion, we can get, we can, our, our motives can be wrong if, if, if it's a God-given compassion because I love these people, I see what they're going through, God wouldn't want that for them, and so Jesus leads me through the Holy Spirit to do something about it, then that's a different 
thing than I just want to appease my sadness and, and relieve my emotion, right? So, so that can happen. Compassion apart from Jesus is just appeasing our own emotions and really serving our own need to be sedated from our feelings, okay? And guilt will drive us to serve, okay? This is a huge one, especially for Christians, right? I'm not serving, so I feel bad, so I better go down there to the church and do something. I better go help my neighbor. Oh, gosh, the neighbor's out there, and he's working on something, and if I don't go help him, he'll think badly of me as a Christian in the church, so I'll feel guilty, so I'll go help him, right? It's guilt-driven, and guilt will drive us to serve our own shame, and guilt drives a lot of our daily actions, does it not? Okay, if we're being honest. We, we try to serve to appease that guilty, shame feeling inside of us. We want to make our penance for our guilt. If I'll just do this, then that'll take this bad mark off if I do this one good mark. Try to wipe our, away our guilt or shame feeling. Often people, you know, there's just that aspect of people being forced to serve. Often it's just our job. And we can't say, well, that's my motive for serving is because I love people. No, it's it's getting you your paycheck, right? I mean, probably the best, easiest example is, let's just be we're going to be honest, right? Like, yeah, I'm in church. Let's just, okay. Especially today on Sunday, when you go to that restaurant and they messed up your meal, it's cold. I asked for soft scrambled eggs, and these are hard scrambled eggs, right? Or I'll, the butter is just it's too hard; it won't spread on these pancakes or this bread or whatever it is. Whatever it is that gets you all tore up, right? I've been sitting here five minutes longer than the, the, the acceptable time for me to get a refill on my drink, right? And what do you do? You light into that waiter or waitress, and what do they what do they have to do? Well, they don't have to, but what do they do to keep their job? They're nice to you, and they serve you, and they go fix it, and they try to do their best. The manager may even come out and give you a gift card to come back. You don't know. They may say, "We'll take that." Waitress comes back and we'll take, and it isn't even the waitress's fault or waiter's fault, right? But you just lit into that waiter or waitress, not even being their fault. But they have to serve you, and that's why you feel so emboldened to do what you do to them, is because they have to serve you, right? So there's forced service, right? Who knows what's going on in their mind the whole time they're serving you? It's not out of the right motive. That's the point, right? Sometimes we're forced, and that's not that's not the motive we're looking for. There are Christians who love to do that, but do it out of the right motive. But I'm just saying, for the most part, right? It's the policy of the establishment, and the waiter or waitress really wants to just dump your food in your lap, right? But they don't, even though they're not they're already convinced that you're not going to tip them well, even if, at all. But it's for serving, okay? Then there are those who serve out of pride. This happens too, right? We will serve others because it elevates us and makes us feel better about ourselves because we can help those 
because we're not in the position that they're in because we're, we're better people than they are. So we serve those people down there because it makes us feel more important, right? We're not in their position. We're better people, so we serve them. You, you see this um, a lot because people will make that, it'll be a public serving instead of a private serving, right? That not, not that you can't serve publicly and it not be prideful. You can do that, okay? But it's those who do serve out of pride, they always seem to let somebody to know, set somebody know what they did, right? You, know, you run into somebody, what have you been up to? I went down to the homeless shelter yesterday and served a bunch of people at the soup kitchen. You know, you should try it sometime. You should do that too. Instead of like all the fishing, hunting, golf, and all that stuff you do. It'd be really rewarding for you. See what, see what I just did? I'm better than you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be out doing all those hobbies and stuff because then you'd be a great person like I am, right? You should just help people who need you because those people down there, they need me. That's why I go down there and serve because I'm up here and they're down here and they need me. You see that pride in all that and how often we look at people that way? Then there are those who serve really just to, to advance or gain for themselves out of selfishness. You know that happens. Trying to, I'm going to serve you because I'm hoping in return I'll get some favor from you and you'll help me back. Right? Yes, as Christians, we serve out of a love for Jesus and when we serve, our joy increases so there is a little bit of selfishness in that, I guess, if you read the, some of John Piper's Christian hedonism books, those kind of things, which is the first place I ever heard, thought about this concept. Is, is there something in it for us for serving and serving God? Yes, we get more Jesus, right? We get more joy from Him. The Holy Spirit increases in us, and so we, it, it does do something for us, right? It gives us a joy that the world can't take. And so there is a form of, you know, I do this because I get joy from it, from Jesus. And that can be addictive. I mean, it really can if you understand it. But this is trying to do to get that on a man-on-man, human-on-human level when we start doing that. It messes up, right? Trying to get someone to do for you because you did for them. Trying to get a secular or earthly return for the service you do for someone else. And, and what happens is you can tell when you're in one of those ill-intentioned, wrong motives positions, you can tell you're off track when you serve and, and you go do your thing um, and you get because you end up getting frustrated. So this is what's going to happen to you. If the motives are wrong, you're going to end up getting frustrated with other people, maybe even with God. But you're going to get frustrated at other people like, like even in the church, you know, and, and I've done this, okay? This, this is pointing at me. I've had those moments, okay? God's still working it out of me. Where I have those moments where I go, well, if those people, if, if these church people don't care, then I'm not going to do it anymore either. Right? You with me? 
If nobody else is going to help, I'm just going to quit doing it too. I'm just going to go fishing. Right? I'm just going to go play golf. Hey, if nobody else is going to do anything, I'm not either. Or, or, or you walk in and things just aren't like how you want them to be. Right? You're frustrated. I can't believe that after I came and did that, that somebody did this. I'm just going to quit. They'll see. Right? That's what happens. When the motives get off track, that's the kind of thing that starts to happen to us. I can't believe somebody did that and it just makes me mad. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm just punishing you. Right? Big clue of wrong intention. When others don't do what you want and your service is your weapon, you're off track. And what is true is that not everything in the church is going to go the way any of us want it to. Like there's nothing going to be perfect for any of us in this church. Okay? It's not going to go the way we want it to all the time. You're you're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. Rita's going to mess up. Right? Randy's going to mess up. We're all going to mess up. You know, we have. Everybody, all your staff, everybody's messed up. Well, except my wife. My wife's the only one that has not messed up and doesn't. Okay? She's the only one that I've ever seen get it all right. Uh, her and Jesus. Okay? Welcome back. Y'all tell her about it later. I get credit for that. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That is correct. You caught me. Okay? But don't fall into this, well, I'm doing this and this, and why aren't those people doing that and that? Right? They are wrong for not doing that and that. I'm doing this. Right? You know? So you, so you have to be careful of that because it becomes that example of, you know, even in your home. This isn't just in church, okay? This is in your home. It starts with family, okay? You, you don't do things and serve your wife, okay? Follow me, Randy. You don't do things and serve your wife trying to get your wife to do something that you want her to do, right? That, that's, that's the wrong way to go about it. You serve just because you, because here's what happens. Here's when you can tell the motive is off, right? It's because it ends in conflict. Because she didn't do what you thought she should have done because you did this, and now there's conflict. So your motive was off. You didn't do it for this serving sake because you love Jesus. You didn't get what you wanted out of it, right? And so it's the way it goes. Or, or you'll serve, and after some amount of time, you don't feel appreciated. I haven't got a pat on the back lately, whatever it is, and so you quit. Or after some time, you'll feel like what you do is insignificant. Well, is it, does this really matter? Is it mattering if I sweep the floors or clean the toilets or whatever it is I do? Or does it matter if I take the trash out all the time for my wife or for the family? Does it, ma- does it matter that I do what I do? Because I don't feel appreciated for it. So, so it's We don't feel like it matters. After some time, you feel like I'm insignificant. I, I, you know, what I'm doing is insignificant, so I should have a more important role. Why, why, why don't they give me a more important role? So you start half doing your active service, right? You see where the motive gets off track for us in, a lot, in the service? Now, 
and so I, I think you get the picture there. And so I just want us to close with this, with a look into Philippians 2. And then I'm telling you, Philippians 2, I, I, I can't think of service and, and proper motives and not go here. Okay? This is the most challenging and impactful part of Scripture for me. Um, there's such deep theology in here, even when it comes to the incarnation and Jesus coming for us, God in the flesh. I just, I love this passage. You guys know that know me. This is this is my favorite um, passage of Scripture in, in, in all the Bible. Um, and, and it's just because I just love this and I keep it in the forefront of my mind as I walk with Jesus and this is my favorite, um, but it's but it's because it's so challenging, okay? And I will be challenged by these verses till the day I die. I will never get all this right. I don't know anybody who can except Jesus. And that's why he's our example listed in here. It says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, you see what, where the motive comes from? It's from Jesus. I want joy from Jesus. I'm, I'm trying to get that there. If there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Here, here's where it gets rough, guys. I'm just, I, I cannot, as many times as I've read this, do nothing, right? Nothing from selfish or empty conceit but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. You see that? Don't get into this trap of going, I only do certain things because I'm healed. In the secular world, that's the way that works. But Jesus flips that upside down. I would say the more you have, I don't want to take credit for that. Jesus would say, the more you have, the more you're responsible for. The more you're to leverage what you have for his purposes in serving others. That's serious stuff. But the, the, the higher you feel your position is with people, the more you should serve. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. So I'm supposed to look at my wife every day and go, what's your agenda today? How can I help you accomplish your agenda before I get mine done? That's what we're, how we're supposed to be, right? That's why I, you can ask her. Every day, not before, and usually in the morning because I'm getting older and more forgetful, I'll look at her and go, so what's tomorrow? I don't know what's, what's going on. And then I follow up question to which she's usually very loving and says, well, tomorrow's Friday. Okay, I get that. It's not what I'm asking. You know that. So, she, so I'll get that tonight, I'm sure. Um, and then I'll say, so what's on? I'm asking what you got going on tomorrow so I know how to help you. Every day. See?
and I'll work it out. And she'll go, well, but you got this, this, there's usually a little argument there. Well, you got this sort doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll get it done. Not that I 100% of the time do get it done, but the motive and the effort is there, okay? And most of the time I get it done. But I'm looking at her going, how do I serve you today? How do I serve you tomorrow? Right? We have staff meetings. Usually my last question of the meeting is, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Is there anything you need? Okay? It, it's, it's all the way around. Our kids, right? Serving our kids is probably the most difficult thing on the planet. Okay? And I'm probably the worst at it. And, and, and you, you understand this. Nick, you'll understand this. Because you get to that point where you're like, okay, there's a mess in the living room that needs to be cleaned up. Now, in five minutes, I can clean it all up. Or I can teach my kids they need to clean up, and it'll take an hour. And it'll end up with us beating the rear ends of the children at some point. And being frustrated, maybe raising our voices a little more than we should, right? Because we get frustrated. It will be... It'll be a pain. It's just easier just cleaned up. It'll take five minutes and we roll on. Everybody's happy, right? But what will serve our kids best is to make them do it and end up giving them a spanking. I mean, that's just, and that's just the truth, okay? If that's what it takes, right? Because it will serve them later in life, right? Because they learn to be responsible in those things. So, so it's this, and that, that goes from our spouse to our kids, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, regardless of where those coworkers are on the organizational chart ladder. I just serve people. Okay? I'm just going to read the rest of this. It's going to take forever. Sorry. Nikki can go back and get the, get that big jug of goldfish crackers and just go around pouring those out. Okay. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. I'm not trying to be equal with God. I'm not trying to be great. Okay. Jesus had every right to, but he was our example and did not, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man. Incarnation. Deep theology stuff going on right here. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, my beloved, this is Paul talking, just as you have always obeyed now, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I always like to include verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. 
all things. Stop complaining about it. Grumbling about it. Right? Tell me anybody that's mastered all that right there. That's that's one that's fourteen verses out of all of Scripture. I will never master those fourteen verses this side of heaven. Okay? Not gonna happen. If someone ever says that after becoming a Christian they don't sin anymore, don't listen to them anymore. Because I know there's some preachers on TV that say that. Okay? They're not biblically correct. I don't know who's doing all that perfectly except Jesus. We still sin, but Jesus has forgiven us when we are His of past, present, future sin. Yes. We are forgiven of that sin, but we still sin. And the goal is that we do less and less and God reveals certain sins to us. Like, I'm not serving the way I should be serving. And so we correct that, repent, turn, and start to serve the way we should serve to those around us. It doesn't mean we go to hell because we didn't get that right, if we're His. There's just repentance there that needs to happen, turn to Him. We accept His work on the cross and place our faith in Him for what He did. It, it pays for past, present, future sin. No, no work for us to do to earn salvation. Therefore, we can't unearn it either. We don't lose it, right? How can you unearn something you didn't earn? But it's what what Jesus is after here is a change of heart. If our hearts aren't changed, we don't see serving as wonderful, and it isn't something we really want to do. It's about heart change; always has been. It's, it's why the Old Testament system couldn't be the final remedy. Okay? It was external. Okay? No spirit changing the inside. Just faith that sacrificing animals and keeping the law and doing ceremonies and staying clean over and over satisfied God until Jesus came. So we don't now that Jesus has come, we don't have to do those things. It's not what you eat or drink, not what goes in the body that makes you unclean, but what comes out of the mouth. It's the motive, what's in the heart. So if your heart isn't changed, you will not keep serving Jesus and His church. You'll eventually fizzle out. Okay? You won't like it. You'll end up complaining and eventually quitting. You won't see a reason to keep doing it. Same with your wife, your family, your kids, all those things. Okay? But if you're changed, your heart understands grace. You keep your eyes. We need the gospel every day. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel every day, what Jesus did for us, and it keeps our motives focused. You understand grace and mercy. You understand what Jesus did. You get it. If you get that over and over and over, then you love to serve regardless of anything else. You long to serve in the church. You long to serve outside the church. You love to serve others. Your heart changes and you want to serve Jesus. This is the foundation for disciples who serve. When your eyes come off the gospel, serving just isn't a joy anymore. So, People I watch who really get this, because I, I see this in the church, love to serve in areas that they don't even really want to do in the flesh. You know? No one, there's not a waiting list for cleaning the toilets here at the church. Okay? Maybe there should be. But there's not. There's not a waiting list for pulling weeds and for uh, 
all those kind of things. There's there's not a waiting list in your neighborhood to go help that person who, who just really needs your help. There's there's no waiting lists for people you know that, that God could send you to and, and you could help them. Do you have that? Do you, do you serve others out of that? I hope, I hope so. I hope you have that joy in Christ, period, because of your salvation that just drives you to do those things. And so let's pray. Father, I just want to ask right up front that you just help change our hearts. Only your Holy Spirit can do that. My words can't do it. I can't do it. Father, would you do what only you can do this morning through your Holy Spirit. Maybe, Father, there's someone here that doesn't have the joy of salvation as their motive and what drives them. They've just never had that. Would you right now, Father, just speak to them, call them, draw them to yourself? They're probably feeling that right now, Father, that you're just you're calling them out. You're saying, hey, come follow me. You Be my child. Someone here, Father, who has never given their life to to you through your son Jesus Christ and never place their faith in what Jesus did for them on the cross. They can do that right now. Father, would you lead them in that? And just help them to just turn from themselves and their sin and turn to your son Jesus. And Father, for the rest of us, maybe others here that are yours, Father, they're your children already, but they've lost the joy in serving. Maybe some just don't know that joy yet. Maybe some want it, but they just don't know how. They'd sign up for that shape class or they'd come talk to one of us. Help us as a church to help them have that joy. May others, Father, see those good works and glorify you. That it not be about us, that we not serve for the wrong reasons. May they see Jesus with our actions. And so we pray all this in his name. Amen.